Thank you, um, uh, Josie, for the good news and Deirdre for just sharing about benevolence. Appreciate that very much. But you know what? It's been it's great. Like I said, to see your faces. And last midweek, um, we we kind of uh, took a took a turn uh, in our series, and there was a lot that was said last week. And we be began to talk about factors that actually stop us from being extraordinary women because we've just come off uh, an extraordinary women's series. So who can remind me what we were talking about last week or two weeks ago? Dami, I saw your hand. I can't hear you. Can't lip read either. It's mistake, but um, <laughs> I, I, if I remember clearly, I think we're talking about um, joy. Yes, we were talking about joy. Joy was the subject of the matter. And through the scriptures, we really, really saw the need to train our minds to meditate on all that is good because there's a lot of bad in the world today. And I don't know if you saw the football uh, on Sunday. You know, there was so much bad news from the football. I don't know if you saw the aftermath of what happened as a result. As people just came crazy, you know? And it's just, it's, I'm like, what is wrong with you guys? Why are you acting that way? And, you know, it's absolutely, it's very, very sad because that's what bad news does, you know? And that's just from a football game. What more? you know, just the different things that happen in our society. And most of you know, like, we are in our, we're in the second series. Today's a, a, a lesson two of God knows how many. Uh, and uh, we're going to be addressing, and, and we're going to continue to address negative thinking. We're going to continue to address um, anxiety and depression. Um, why? Because we I really want us to remove the false understanding of, of mental health, not just in society, but also in the church. And, and last week, we really saw the fine line on how we deal because the battle is also in our hands as well. No, I was, <coughs> I was going through Facebook throughout the week and uh, I came across a, a post uh, and Michelle had put this post on Facebook. And so I read the post and the question was, what stops you from being grateful for God? And I was reading, like I said, I was reading through the post and I saw a comment from one of the sisters in Birmingham. I was like, oh, okay, what did she say? And so I read the comment and on the comment, the sister wrote, because I'm ugly. That's literally what the sister wrote. And I sat back and I was like, wow, how many more women in the kingdom, not, not even out of the kingdom, in the kingdom have this mindset? And the lie that Satan, right, continues to feed and they, they, it's like they continue to take on what Satan is saying, which actually stops them from being great. Now, if that's the mindset of the women in the kingdom, what is the mindset of the women out of the kingdom? You know, and then uh, and so for me, this this was a big deal. And also, even in the week, in a conversation with a sister, um, I literally was was speaking on a particular subject. And I was trying to, to just help the women in general. And, and, and something happened. And then later on, after the meet, she, she came up to me and she was like, Chris, I was like, what's up? You know, just, and she was like, you hurt my feelings. 
I was like, what did I do wrong? You know, I had no clue what I did wrong. And um, and for me, I was like, okay, what what happened? And, and she was like, um, in our conversation, I had, had said something, certain things, and uh, her mind had translated what I said as not good enough. I never said that, but that's what her, her mind translated the conversation. And I told the sister straight up that I was just trying to, to help her. I was trying to help her to be great. And just after a few questions and after a conversation that we had, um, I just was like, literally, it's in your mind. Like, I'm literally trying to help you. And, and, and in her insecurities, she, uh, my push literally for her to be to be excellent was translated in her mind as she was not excellent and that wasn't true. And so for me, that's why I really think that this series that we're doing is really, really important because we as sisters struggle with our mindset. I struggle with my mindset. You know, we all struggle with our mindset and it's actually something that, like I said earlier on and like I said last week and I'll keep saying, that can really stop us from being great. And we know the scripture in John 10, 10, where it reads, it talks about how the thief comes to steal. It says the thief comes to 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 steal, destroy, um, and to kill, right? But it, it says um, Jesus says, "I've come to give life and life to the full." And let's turn to Philippians because I'm going to connect these two scriptures together. So in Philippians three, I'm going to read. I'm going to read verse one. Okay, it says, further, my sisters, rejoice in the Lord. It is no trouble for me to write the same things to you again and again, and it is a safeguard for you. And Satan has come to steal our joy, and for some of you, it's honestly very obvious, you know, because your mindset is crippling the potential that you have to do great things in Birmingham and also great things for God in your lives. And Paul was like, it's no trouble for me to write the same thing to you again. In the same way, it is no trouble for me to preach the same thing to you again, sisters. Why? Because it is a safeguard for you. I mean, this topic is to protect. This topic is to um, solidify. This topic is to prevent something undesirable from happening to you because it really is something that we really need to overcome as women. Um, and why? Because we, we, we're, we're called to do great things. We're called to do great things. One of my scriptures, favorite scriptures is in, I want to say John 14, I forget the verse. I think it's 24, right? And it talks about how... Um, whoever believes in, in, in God will do even greater things than, than, than Jesus. That's what he says. He says that with his mouth. And I'm like, man, Jesus is saying, I'm going to do greater things than him. And if you think about the things that Jesus did, it was incredible. Yet he says it with his mouth. He's like, Chris, as if you believe in me, Carmen, if you believe in me, Claire, Mary, if you believe in me, he's like, you can do even greater things than I did. Like, that's what Jesus says. So if we don't change, we won't grow individually and we won't grow the ministry because of a negative mindset. And the stubbornness to change will actually stop the church from growing. Thank you, Lynette. John 14, verse 12. 
Okay. And so the title, as you saw from the incredible flyer that, that, that Steph did is mindset reset reset. And that's our, the, the, the title for today. And, you know, if you think about the human body, right, a human body can do incredible things. Your body can heal itself. Your body can create life. Your body can survive without food for like 60 days because your body is programmed to go through extreme lengths. So what happens is your body will start eating. Once your glucose is gone, it will start eating the you, well, you have a reserve of glycagon, which turns into glucose. And then after that's gone, it starts eating on your fat, right? And then after it's ate your fat, it starts eating on your, your organs. And after it's literally 60 days, you can survive without food. Water's different, right? And that's the power of our minds. And that's what the creator of life, that's how he created us so intricately. And if you think about the mind, the mind's the strongest muscle in your body. A strong mind can push through horrific life events. So if you think about horrific life events like sexual assault, rape, um, uh, tornadoes, like Job, like what happened to Job? He was able to survive because of his mindset. You know, it can, we, we, our mind can overcome devastating news. Our, our mind can overcome discouraging words and the worst heartbreak, a bunch of things, you know, and the list goes on and a weak, but a weak mind, a weak mind will never achieve its full potential. On the other hand, a powerful mind will grow stronger and stronger and achieve its fullest potential. Yet many of us have bad habits and it's time sisters we broke these bad habits of our minds and how does one move themselves from a state of anxiety and depression to into a place of peace and joy and how how can peace and joy become a, a, a normal state for all of us on this platform because we're not all there you know and it's 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 as simple as good thoughts bring about hope good thoughts bring about courage Good thoughts bring about joy, um, but negative thoughts, they bring about fear, they bring about frustration, they bring about anger, they bring about hopelessness, and the list goes on. And sisters, I, I really want us to break the bad habits of our mind because God's called us to do great things. And how we think, like we talked about last week, either produces an action or an inaction. And our thoughts produce feelings, and those feelings can be thoughts of inequity, in, in, inade inadequacy and failure, despite the fact that there's no proof of this. And, and uh, as a result of our feelings, we can be fearful which, or, or insecure or whatever, and, and, and those feelings, it can dictate, dictate what we do or not do. In a conversation with a sister just before this, while talking, and uh, I listen, I listen, you know, what? I've actually grown in listening. I'm actually very impressed. <laughs> so I was listening and I'm like, look, you know what, Chris, the best thing to do is just listen. Like, and sometimes I would kind of interject here and there because I'm trying to understand something. And so I was listening and listening. And so I, I, we, she spoke and she vomited and it was cool. And then I spoke to her and she was listening, which, which was awesome. And, you know, I, at the end, I was like, okay, tell me what's going on in your head right now. And she was like, what did she say? She, oh, she said, um, I'm terrible or something like that. I can't remember. But put it this way, it wasn't nice. What she said about herself wasn't nice. So I was like, 
did I translate that? I said, did I say that with my mouth? She said, no. I said, show me somewhere in the Bible that says what you just said. She said, it's not there. So then I said, what proof do you have based on what you just said? No proof. Exactly. And we're the same, you know? That sister I was speaking about earlier on didn't feel good enough. And I asked a certain question. I was like, what proof do you have based on what you said? There was no proof. But her proof was based on how she felt, what she felt she heard me say. But I was like, I didn't say that, you know? And, and it, it just it goes on and on and on and on and the, and, and the lack of proof that our mind um, distorts the, the actual truth of God's word. And when we go into God's word, we, we see his truth, you know? And, and one of the, the, the thing I loved about the, one of the sisters in the conversations that I had pretty much all this week, she was open, you know? And I really appreciate that because if she didn't have, if she wasn't open, she would have given room to the devil and the devil would have taken a footstool in her mind and carry on. she would have carried on thinking evil thoughts about this and that. That was not true. And so rather this sister took captive her thoughts by being open about her thoughts and what she felt she heard me say, which was not true, which helped change her perspective of what I said, you know? And, and, and that's what I really want to camp on today. Right. And so very similar to last week. Okay. What I want you all to do, Terry, make sure you do it and put on your camera. Okay. Is I want you to, uh, thank you, Terry. I appreciate that. I want you to take out some paper and I want you to take out a pen, pencil, whatever, a crayon, whatever you want. Grab that pen, grab that paper. And I'm going to give you 30 seconds. It's a little different, but it's still similar to last time. So I'm just making sure everyone's got paper. Frida, you got pen and paper. Frida's generally a good girl, you know. <laughs> Let me look at the rebellious one. Terry, where's your pen and paper? <laughs> okay, where's your pen and paper, Terry? Um, Claire, where's your pen and paper? Okay, Claire's obedient. Look at that. Steph, where's your pen and paper? <laughs> Steph, rebellious. <laughs> okay, like Producer. Yeah, Steph is rebellious. <laughs> okay. Rufaro, where's your pen and paper? Hey, Rufaro, come on. Uh, Paula, where's your pen and paper? <laughs> hey, Carmen, where's your pen and paper? Oh, Carmen, rebellious! Oh, my days! <laughs> <laughs> I know, don't worry. If you if you got a phone, use your phone. But I want you, I'm gonna give you 30 seconds and I'm gonna time it, right? I want you to write down. Uh, let me just get my timer. Uh let's get my timer. Stopwatch. Okay, I want you to write down 30 seconds, everything in 30 seconds, the thoughts that come to your mind about yourself. 30 seconds, go. All the thoughts that you think about about yourself in 30 seconds, write that down. Fifteen seconds gone. Put ten more seconds. 
Okay, now I want you to count, okay, how many are positive and how many are negative. I want you to count them and then write it on your paper. How many are positive? If you're like one positive, one negative, that's that's like a problem. Um, okay, now I'm going to need a volunteer. So um, I'm not going to pick you because I know this is quite a sensitive thing. So I'm only going to ask you to volunteer yourself, okay? So who would like to volunteer themselves? You can switch on your mic and say me. Don't volunteer somewhere else, okay? <laughs> so anyone wants to switch on the mic? No volunteers? I've got a Beatrice? Okay, Beatrice. Okay. Yeah, Debbie, we're first. It's all good. Go ahead, Debbie. You know, Beatrice, Beatrice, the Lord has chosen. Um, that's <laughs> um, so I was like, you know what? How many positive, how many negatives? I mean, to be fair, I just summed it up in like two of them, and they were both negative. So. Okay, so they were both negative. Okay, I want you to share one of them. One of them. Uh, just one. Okay. Well, one, well, not enough. Not enough. Okay. Can I ask you a question? What is yeah. the proof of what you just shared to me? The proof I'm not enough? Well, <laughs> the long story short, I think for me, what proves to me that I am not enough is obviously none of it is biblical, so it's Satan, which at the same time, I know it's all Satan. But I think just how my life has gone and the, the pathway it's gone down, it just proves that I'm not enough. In addition to like childhood trauma and et cetera, et cetera. Okay, so that's the proof of you're not enough, okay? Now, keep your mic on. Um, where in the Bible does it say that about it you? It doesn't. Okay, so where do you get that truth? Well, Satan, which is not true. Now, what I want you to do, and you can do this, um, I want you to, I'm going to challenge you so that after this, right, I want to challenge all of you, right? After this, I want you to actually know all of you, right? Pick one negative right and write that what's the proof right and then i want you to write down the truth about yourself based on the scriptures does that make sense so one negative thing what is the proof of that negative and write down the truth about yourself based on the scriptures, the truth. I'll give you 30 seconds. I'll meet myself. Okay, your 30 seconds is up. If you were able to do that one, right? Awesome. If not, I want that's I want you to 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 go and I want you to find the truth of what the scripture says about you. So I'm now gonna pick another sister, all right, who would like to volunteer. Dami, because you already you, you said you were gonna go, so I'm gonna choose you. Okay. So what was the negative? What was the first thing that you wrote? I just want to know the first thing you wrote. Like the first thing 
the first thing. Please don't laugh for, but the, the first thing I wrote is baby girl. That was the first <laughs> thing I wrote. Then, followed by annoying and then unworthy. Okay. Yeah. I'm going to go with unworthy. Okay, what is the proof of what you just shared? Okay, your silence tells me enough. It says, but no one do not. Okay. Now, what truth based on scripture did you write about yourself? No, I wasn't able to do that. Okay. Now, that's what I want you guys to do because that's how we're going to overcome and that's how we're going to take captive these, this mindset. And because as long as you believe the truth, you will be set free. But if you don't believe the truth, you will not be free. And I want to share a few scriptures with you, okay? I want you to write all this down, right? I was going to, like, do it, read and stuff like that, but I'm looking at the time, and it's like, it's not happening, right? So write these scriptures down. John 17, 17, okay? That's one of Lynette's favorite scriptures, okay? Then John 8, 32. If someone can write it on the group chat as well, that would be amazing, right? As I say it, right? So John 17, 17. Uh, which is about, which he says, sanctify them by your truth, your word is truth, okay? Then John 8, 32, we do this in the word of God study, see if you've got one of them, and it says, um, to the Jews who believe, if you hold on to my truth, the truth will set you free. And then um, John 8, verse 45, can't remember what that says, um, but it's a great scripture, <laughs> okay? Uh, and then Psalm 119, verse 43, Psalm 119, Verse 43, John 8, 45, Brenda, John 8, 45. Um, Psalm 119, verse 43. Psalm 119, verse 160. Psalm 119, verse 43. Psalm 119, verse 160. Then Proverbs 30, one of my favorites, uh, 5 to 6, Proverbs 30, five to six it talks about our negative thoughts um adding that to the word of god and um, we talked about that last week and then john 5 verse 32 john 5 verse 32 also john 18 verse 37 uh john 18 37 then matthew 4 verse 4 and second timothy 3 verse 16 as long as you believe the truth, the truth will set you free. As long as you believe a lie, you will not be free. And I love these scriptures because it highlights that the word of God is true, you know? And my first point is take captive your thoughts by establishing useful thoughts. That's take captive your thoughts by establishing useful thoughts. And while I was writing this, um, I was doing a little bit of research, right? Um, and you know, what? I'm just, I love this, this learning about the mind. It's actually amazing. Anyway, but according to national science, right? Recent studies show that on average, an individual has 12,000 to 6,000, 60, sorry, 60,000 thoughts that run through their mind every single day. So from 12,000 to 60,000, that's how many thoughts you have in your mind every day, right? Of those numbers, right, of that one for your mind, 80% are negative, 80% are negative. And 95% are 
are repetitive thoughts. So you're thinking about 95 is one that you're thinking about over and over and over again. Now, when you don't understand, when you don't question certain thoughts, right, it can cause a lot of damage. So if your mind is thinking at, at 80% is all negative, if you choose not to change that, you're damaging yourself, right? To the point that you can become so overwhelmed and we're no longer in control because we fail to examine those thoughts which in turn lead to negative pat patterns that are very difficult to manage. That's what research showed, right? And so those thoughts, those 80% of those negative thoughts, they're constantly played in your mind. And so they, your feelings respond to what you think about. And so your actions respond to what you think about because you fail to capture your thoughts because you're listening to the lies, which is 80% of your mind all the time. Now that 80%, 95% is saying the same thing over and over and over again. So I'm ugly, I'm ugly, I'm ugly. It is a repetitive thought. I'm not good enough, I'm not good enough. Baby girl, <laughs> sorry. Um, but, you know, those are the, it's, and, and um, our, our lives get damaged because we're, we're, we're believing a lie, just like it says in John 8, 44, it says, Satan is the father of lies, meaning 95% of the repetitive negative thoughts, like 80% of your mind is you agreeing with Satan. That's actually what you're doing. Now, in Deuteronomy verse 30, chapter 30, sorry, let's go there together. And um, baby girl, <laughs> can you read for us, please? Sorry, I'm going to do that now. Oh, my God. So, Dami, can you read for us? But, um, chapters what? The verse what? Chapter 30, verse 19. Okay, verse 19. Okay, it says, This day I call the heavens and the earth as witnesses against you that I have set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Now choose life so that you and your children may live. Thank you very much. So life equals God's word, death equals Satan's words, blessings equals God's word, curses equals Satan's words. What have you been choosing in order that you will live? Have you chosen life, God's word, or have you chosen death, Satan's word, which is 80% statistically that runs through our minds every single day and we, we repeat 95% of that. So this means that there are thought patterns that we, we, we need to see. We want to see certain thought patterns in our life. What? The positive thought patterns. And there are others that we don't want to see because it is not useful. 80% of the things that we think about is not useful, meaning 20% is useful. It doesn't matter how many times we read the Bible or what scripture you know. If your mind doesn't change, if your mind doesn't feed on the scriptures, your mind will be hardwired to destructive patterns, that negative pathway. That's why Jesus always challenged people's thinking to renew their minds, because what they chose determined their reality. 
you know, I was, I was again in my research, I, I was, I came across a quote from a book by a, a, a doctor called Carolyn Lynn, right? And she, she writes a, a book um, called Switch on Your Brain, right? And she says that as we think, we change the physical nature of our brain so we can wire out toxic patterns of thinking and replace them with healthy thoughts. Another one said, and, and, and developed that further by saying, if you really believe you're 10 years younger than your actual age, you're going to be 10 years younger than your actual age because you're actually going to live that way. So if you want to be 10 years younger than your actual age, just think Think it, literally, and you become it. That's what they say. And so let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 10. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, Jackie, can you please read verse 4 to 6? Yeah. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On, on the contrary, they have divine powers to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take, up, we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Thank you. Appreciate that. Look at Jackie. Isn't she glowing? Absolutely amazing. <laughs> anyway, um, so what does it take? you know, to take captive our thoughts. So let me ask you guys, you know, what does it mean to take captive? Sophie, I'm just going to just pick on people. To take take hold of all of your thoughts and uh, do what you need to do with them. To, okay, so take hold. Um, Paula, take hold. To grab, to link. Okay, to grab, yeah? Okay. Uh, Steph? Yes, Steph. Thompson. <laughs> what, 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 oh, you didn't take Captain that thought, did you? Anyway, I said, oh. <laughs> I said, what does it mean to take captive? Like the word. Okay. Uh, take captive means to um, grab hold of. Okay, to grab a hold of. Well, I looked in the dictionary, right, for synonyms. And funny enough, to grab hold of didn't come up. It wasn't there. Right, but what was there was this to take prisoner was there, to confine was there, to cage was there, to chain up was there, and to incarcerate was there. Then I looked into the Greek word, right, which means to lead away. And I was like, man, to lead away, have you been leading your mind away? You know? Have you been or have you allowed your thought pattern to I'm going to give you an analogy, right? So as you all know, I'm a teacher and I love teaching, right? But I don't like the annoying little brats that I have in my classroom. That's just the honest truth. They're quite annoying, right? And so those children, those children that I teach just want to annoy me. They just want to be defiant. That's the fact, right? And, and um, how do I deal with them? So... I definitely don't allow them to run around in my classroom because if I allow them to run around in my classroom, I'm setting no boundaries. So if I, if I don't set those boundaries, they will have no respect for me and they will have no respect for my classroom. Absolutely not. Yet, 
sisters, we allow the thoughts, negative thoughts, 80% of these negative, of, of our, uh, uh, the thinking of our mind to run loose in our mind with no boundaries, right? That's why they have no respect for you because you allow it to run through your mind. And after a while, those little brats running wild in your mind become very difficult, right? To calm down. And it takes a great amount of effort, right? Because that's now become your reality, literally. Now, we, when we allow those little brats, I'm ugly, not good enough, not valuable, no good. I'm a failure. No point of trying. It's hard. I'm a class. I'll be single forever. Stupid. Terrible. Just take your life. Take it. You'll be at peace. Life will be so much better. It's hard. Just, just fall away. Just leave. You've set no boundaries in your thinking. Now, these thoughts defy God because some of you are letting them run wild. And so that's why you hold on to the lie. That is not true, right? And as a result, you feel hurt based on what your head is telling you because you've been taken captive by your thoughts the wrong way round biblically. The scripture says you have to take captive your thoughts, but you have now allowed your thoughts to take captive because you refuse to place boundaries with those little brats. And so the way we lead negative thoughts away is by pushing them under submission, under obedience of the scriptures, right? So you take that thought and you see where you can find it in the scriptures, right? That's why I gave you that little practical in the beginning. You can't find it in the scriptures. So if it's not there, you need to quickly remove the illegal substance, the spirit of negative thinking in your mind, because if you don't, it will set itself up against the knowledge that you have obtained about who God is. And that's how you lack faith. That's how Satan sifts your faith. He starts with your mind. And if you don't do this quickly, the thoughts will actually lead you away from God. It literally is a matter of time before those thoughts actually lead you away from God. That for me, I believe with all of my heart, you can argue with me, you can tell me I'm wrong, don't care, is why people fall away. That's the only reason people fall away because of negative thinking that they have allowed to take them captive, right? And it leads them away from God and they're not obedient to God, it's not about me and Frank. It's actually about the fact that they've allowed those thoughts to take them away from their relationship with God because that is now true, and so you fall away. Now, if I hurt your feelings, you're going to deal with it in a godly way. Whereas if you don't deal with it in a godly way, you are going to fall away because of those 80% of your thought patterns and so we 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 are the solution to the problem because we need to learn to set healthy boundaries in our thoughts because those healthy boundaries will help us take those thoughts captive that are defying god and so i made a list based on like my research and stuff like that and just conversations um of some examples of healthy boundaries against negative thoughts right and so the first one is it's okay to say no 
okay? It's okay to say no. The second one is God wants you to have fun, so don't feel guilty about having fun, right? The third one is stop feeding your mind further through further research, right? Because, you know, you, you might, I don't know, um, get a, 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 maybe doctor might say something, right? And they were like, you may have this or you may not. And then you're like, oh, God. And then you go online and then you start researching this thing. That's not even happened. It's not even happened. Like, and then you're researching, 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 boom, 80%. 95% of that now has taken over your life, you know? Stop researching these things. It's not doing your mind any justice. Another one, don't only apologize. I hope you're listening. Well, I'm talking to you. You know who you are. Only apologize when someone tells you you have done something wrong. So, Sophie, if I tell you you've done something wrong, that's when you apologize. If not, what are you apologizing for? Right? And focus on your healing of overcoming negative thoughts because you are not in the position to help someone else. A lot of times we want to be someone else's savior. How about you save yourself with your negative thoughts, right? And also surround yourself with positive people, not people who are also negative in their thinking. Like bad company corrupts good character. Bad company sifts out your faith. Why are you hanging around with people, like Rorisha says, who have negative energy? Get around people with positive energy. And those are, my, those are just some healthy boundaries that you can set in place just to really um, take captive your thoughts. My second point is what do you meditate on? What do you meditate on and feed the positive thoughts? And we're going to go to Psalm 27. And in Psalm 27, Josie, can you read verse 12, please? Psalm 27, verse 12 says, Do not turn me over to the desire of my foes, for false witnesses rise up against me, spouting malicious accusations. Sorry, was that verse 12? Psalm 27, verse 12. Yeah. Yeah, it says, Do not turn me over to the desire of my foes, for false witnesses rise up against me, spouting malicious accusations. Thank you very much. Now, when you when you look at the scriptures, the desire of my foes, your negative thinking is an enemy, is your foe, right? Saying all sorts of cruel and vile things about you because it's not God's will, but Satan's will. What are the enemies in your mind saying and whose will will you align your life to? Because what we think about matters, because like I said earlier on, our brain, 80% is negative, negative, negative. And our brain cannot distinguish between the real, what we're actually thinking about, reality, and the imaginary threats that we think about. So I could think someone's about to hurt someone, right, when they're actually not. Right. And so because I'm thinking, oh, my God, this person's going to get hurt. There's an, my adrenaline pathway is activated in my brain right? Scientifically. So your flight response is triggered 
to danger. Oh my God, someone's gone. And even though nothing's happening, it's all in your head, but you, your, your, your danger response is triggered. Now, your, uh, our minds unconsciously go directly to, to the negative thoughts. Like it, it's like a, a default mode, right? Uh, and so the what if scenarios, the false witnesses, right? Cause our brain to respond as if a threat was actually taking place. Right. And so you allow yourself to feed and imagine and think about all sorts of threats, what ifs, and your brain cannot distinguish between what is real and what is in your imagination. And now what happens is uh, um, because we're, we're not worrying about a specific thing, right? We're worrying about things that are not really happening or are likely to happen. Um, we, um, we are powerless to actually change the situation. And this is a bad habit. And so because we're powerless to change the situation, we become overwhelmed of all that could potentially go wrong when there's actually nothing to get overwhelmed about, literally. And that's what happens. And this is a habit that people have unconsciously in our mind. And if we don't hack the autopilot in our brain, meaning if we do not consciously, okay, activate our brain, consciously think about okay this isn't true right where we're, we're gonna naturally go into the default and so in in psalms one one to three it talks about how we shouldn't sit in the council of the wicked and we shouldn't stand in the council of the ungodly that's literally what you're doing when you are allowing your mind to to be hijacked by those um, negative thinking that's going through your brain. And now in Philippians 4, 8, we know the scripture says, think about what is true, think about what is lovely, think about what is pure and what is godly and what is noble. What, what, what do you go by as a way of habit? We have to develop habits in our lives that deal and help us to, sorry, that help us to deal with our thoughts. And so when we meditate on the truth, the truth will help us to think away those bad habits but it has to become a lifestyle it has to become something that your brain is constantly doing why because your brain is a powerful tool and when we understand the function of our brain you'll be able to develop great skill that, that actually enable you to, to to function at a higher level and there are aspects of our brain that help us with forming our thoughts that coordinate our thoughts that maintain our thoughts and adjust our, our thoughts even in a complex way, uh, and even adjust our emotions and, and help us change and break certain thinking patterns. And, um, you know, uh, Leslie can attest to this. In our brain, we have the prefrontal, okay, cortex, right? And that's like um, half of your brain, basically. And it's basically at the front, and it contributes actually to all these things, to, to the functions of your brain alongside the stratum informing healthy habits, right? Now, research shows that 45% of our actions are based on habits. And so we can create new habits or we can keep old habits. So if we're intentionally choosing to focus on our behaviors that overrides the unconscious, the more you do that, you can learn quickly to choose which behaviors to carry out. Changing your habits to allow your mind to become more efficient, right? So you do that over time, you will no longer need to think about unconscious, you unconsciously, you, 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 I'm sorry, you won't need to think about 
it consciously because it becomes an unconscious discipline because you've now mastered it, right? And that's how we master or we create new habits. And that's how powerful our brain is because now what we do is we create healthy pathways and we destroy unhealthy pathways, right? And so because whatever pathway you choose will dominate the other because you can't be on two pathways. It's just impossible. And so, sisters, how do you feel? How you sorry? How you feel is connected to those pathways that you are creating in our in, in your life, and your feelings are the fruits of the pathway that is most traveled on. That's why, if you look in Galatians five, verse nineteen to twenty-five, it talks about the 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 the, the, the acts of the flesh. And it also talks about the, the, the acts of the spirit. Now, to produce the right fruit, there needs to be a deep understanding of healthy pathways, of how to create healthy pathways in our, way, in our lives. One of the ways we create healthy pathways is to have a deep understanding of the finished work of Christ on the cross. That is a healthy pathway. Now, how often do you, do you sisters meditate on what Jesus did on the cross? Is it just something you do for your quiet time? Was it something that you meditate on daily? Like when you're, when a negative thought comes, comes to your head, what is it you meditate on? Because you're either meditating on the light or you're meditating on the truth. And so our level of meditations equals the stronger our mindset or the weaker our thought process. No matter what, as long as you believe who you are in Christ, and what Christ has called you to do, nothing can separate you from, from God's love. That's the stronger process we, we really need to create in our minds. And, and, and so what scriptures are you holding on to or have you tattooed in your mind to sparehead the evil thoughts that come into your mind, the 80% that come into your mind? Or is that why you're always bleeding? Because remember, 80% of your thoughts are negative. That's the most dominant pathway in your life. And it is up to us to create healthy pathways that lead away, take captives, the, the, the negative pathway so that we can change that percentage. This is even for those that struggle with anxiety, that struggle with depression, clinic, even clinically, right? The weapon of negative thinking formed to is formed to take you down. It's to break you, and the, and you will not prosper if you carry on that way, you know. And you you you've got to see, and you must see the need to form healthy habits and recognize and understand the intrusive intrusive thoughts are not from God. But if you're just gonna accept those intrusive thoughts and and fail to create healthy habits, healthy pathways you're actually going to be the one that leads yourself away from Christ. And, and, and my, my third point is committed to enlisting help. And we're going to look at Proverbs uh, chapter 12. Um, Brenda, can you read verse 15, please? And we're also going to look at Proverbs chapter 11. Proverbs 12, 15. Mm -hmm. It says, the way of a fool seems right to him, but a wise man listens to advice. Thank you. Can you read 11.14 as well, please? 
it says, for lack of guidance, a nation falls, but many advisors make victory sure. Appreciate. Now, do you take on advice? You know, because your mind seems to tell you all sorts of things, giving you so many advice. You know, 80% of it is negative. You can't even hear the, the, the positive because your mind is overwhelmed. 80% of your mind is overwhelmed. And so, and, and here it says advice is there to protect you. It's actually not there to harm you. It's there to protect you. And when we are committed to enlisting help, if you think about what commitment means, it means that you are willing to do whatever it takes. In this case, I'm willing to do whatever it takes to reset my mind. This means not my opinion. If my opinion contra contradicts the help that's being given to me, then that my, my opinion needs to be yielded because without commitment, you will not achieve anything. The same way you have committed to negative thinking in the same way you need to commit to a positive thinking. The same way you made every effort to believe in a lie is the same way you need to every effort to hold on to the truth. And what, what you think actually really matters to God and God calls us in, 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 to, to, to total commitment in our mind, in our body, in our soul, and our spirit. In Matthew 22, verse 37 to, to 38, Jesus calls us to love the Lord with all of our hearts, all of our soul, and all of our mind. Not some of our mind, all of our mind. And so we can, we can be weak in mind, right, and fully committed to God, or we can be weak in mind and uncommitted to God. What is the difference between the two? Weak, weak in mind, but fully committed. Weak in mind, but uncommitted. I'm going to break it down for you. So when you are weak and fully committed, you're struggling. Life is hard. It is. But you're committed to discipline and the advice given. You're committed to getting radically open about your feelings and your insecurities. You're committed to giving your heart in Bible studies. You're committed to the lost. You're committed to your quiet times. You're committed to fellowship, the church, and you're committed to full repentance. Now, when you are weak and uncommitted, you don't listen to discipline because it's in your, in your head. You're right and they're wrong. And so what do you do? You just argue, right? You're dishonest. You're manipulative, you're deceitful, you're lazy. You become a victim instead of a victor. You're half-hearted and you prioritize other things more than the things of God. So movies, TV, cooking, you name it, right? And so sisters, are you committed to going after your spiritual matters to help you? You know, your quiet times. That's important because it shifts our perspective to what God thinks, you know? How, how often do you have your quiet times when you're struggling you know joining bible studies is you being about your purpose it, it, it again shifts your perspective because you're giving your heart to the person that's studying to help them to understand that you know being a disciple is hard but at the same time you're giving them faith and they're they're actually giving you faith you know and that helps your mind Surrounding yourself with godly people changes your perspective, as, as I said earlier on. And God really allows us to be weak in our hearts to see if we're committed to getting the right help and to also help surface what's truly in our hearts. And, so, and I've seen in some of you that you have stopped seeking God with all of your mind because some of you are not seeking discipline. You're not seeking 
advice. You know, when your disciple gives you advice, you just argue and have a fight with them, you know. I've been there, like, for two years. That's what I did. I never saw God with all of my mind because I just argued and I grumbled instead of listening to the advice because this person was literally there to help me. And so what I'm actually doing is I'm grumbling against God and I I, I go on like the Bible doesn't work. But... And, and and you behave in, in such a way that doesn't, there's no joy, you know? Whereas the Bible works, the fact that it doesn't work is because you're in sin. And it's time for some of you, sister, to repent. Like, literally, you got to change this habit, you know? Because if you don't, something worse will happen to you, as it says in John 5, 14. And I really want to actually lift up Deirdre. You know, I really want to lift up Deirdre. Like, Deirdre is being a disciple for God knows how long, right? A long time, right? What, 28 years, Deirdre, or 30 years? Which one is it? I don't know. I've lost count, right? But she's been a disciple for a long time, right? 28, right? Yeah, a long time, right? And Deirdre won't mind me sharing this because she also struggles with mental health. And she's Eight and a half years, yeah. Thank you. And she's made it very public, right? But you will not see Georgia, um, Georgia, <laughs> Deirdre depressed in the fellowship. You just won't. You won't see Georgia, um, <laughs> say You won't see D depressed in the fellowship. D's always giving her heart. D's always smiling, but you know, deep down inside, these tired, these, 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 like, I need to go home, but they will give her heart. And then when she's home, she's like, she's finished, but you would never know that in the fellowship. And one thing I love about Dee is she loves receiving encouragement. She doesn't talk down on the encouragement that she, she's given. She is what she feeds on. And some of us, when, when when people give you an encouragement, you just want to tear people down. They're just trying to encourage you. D, always open about everything. Everything, except for maybe one thing. But other than that, she's open about everything. Radically open to a little old me. Like, sometimes I think about it, I'm like, wow, like, just the humility in D, radically open. Why? Because she's committed to getting the right help that she needs to help her get closer to God. The question is, are you, you know? Have you been honest about everything that you have been corrected on? If not, it's because you don't want the right help. You know, and we really need to talk through these negative thoughts to shift our perspective and ask help from the person that God's put in our life to help us to get to heaven. Your discipler is there to get to heaven. Spiritual friends, family, counselors. We, you know, we do. We need counselors and we need therapies because they're the professionals. And so they can offer us an alternative mindset from what we think, you know. And there are things that we can say that we don't say to our, that we we don't say to our family there's certain things that we say that to disciples you can't say to your family because your family there's an there's an attachment there there're things that we say that we don't say it to um people that aren't disciples why because they don't understand spiritual matters in Romans 5 it talks about how we live according to the flesh Sorry, it says those who live according to the flesh, their minds are set on fleshly things. And those who live according to the spirit, their minds are set on spiritual things, right? And so the world doesn't understand spiritual matters. So if 
if I'm going to talk to them about a spiritual situation or even a situation, they're not even able to handle it in a godly way because they don't see a godly perspective in the situation. They don't. They're only going to criticize. And that's why we have godly advisors in our lives, such as your discipler and a spiritual mature sister alongside the professional help that you've got in your life because they can actually help see that your mind they can see what's shutting your mind out and they can help you change your perspective, provide tips on how to de-escalate the negative thoughts that you're thinking about to help your anxiety and to help your depression. But people who don't have spiritual um, a spiritual mindset or even uh, a professional understanding cannot help you with that, you know? Because what happens when you do that, they distort your thinking and you're your thinking carries on being distorted in an irrational way, right? And so your mind feeds on the irrational thinking and there's no breakthrough. However, when you go to a spiritual spiritual advisor, like a disciple or a professional, they, they can help you. You know, they can help you and help you to see a godly perspective and help call you to obedience to, to take captive your thoughts and bring it under obedience to Christ and that's their aim their whole aim is to get you to a safe place and not to harm you and there's great power and freedom at looking at things from the right perspective and 80% of your mind isn't looking at things from a, a, a right perspective and so the question is have you been listening to wisdom or what your itching ears wants to wants to wants to hear and you know what? I do have to talk about discipline and so I'm gonna talk about it for a minute do you trust your disciple? Do you? I want you to think about the answer to your question. Say that again. Do you trust your disciple? Because the answer you give will determine if you trust God. Are you radically open with your disciple? And do you respect the advice that they give you? You have to understand that God is sovereign. Right, in Jeremiah 29, verse 11, we say, oh, you know, God has plans to prosper you. God wants to prosper you, sisters, not harm you. His plan is to give you a hope in the future. And so the person that God has put in your life right now is to get you to heaven, literally. And, 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 what, and God who knows everything. So he's put this person in your life to get you to heaven. And do you know that in all things, the good things... And the bad things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. That's what Romans 8, 28 says. And so, sisters, your perception of people has to change. For some of you, it's your perception of your disciple. For some of you, it's your perception of the person that you disciple or your disciple. Perception needs to change. In addition, some of you, you're picking up advice that's not helping your mind because you're getting advice from the wrong people from unspiritual people do you believe your disciple is in your life to help you to reach your full potential let me give you a story of a, a, a one of my favorites david my favorite not second favorite guy in the bible right now if you know the story of david david was under the leadership of an unrighteous king king saul Yet David was able to reach his full potential by what he learned to do and not do under the wicked leadership of, of, of Saul, right? God allowed the 
unrighteous leadership, not righteous, unrighteous leadership of Saul to refine the character of David. God allowed that to happen. God used David's suffering to form his character. And if you know the story of David, when his son tried to take the throne, David refused to be like Saul. If David had done something different under the leadership of, of, of Saul, his son Absalom he probably would have killed him. But because of what he learned under the leadership of Saul, it prepared him for the leadership of Absalom, well, who tried to take the leadership. I mean, he succeeded, but not for long. So David was rooted and responded in humility, in private agony. Yeah, he prayed to God. He was crying. You see it in the book of Psalms, right? But he was obedient because he chose not to lift his hand against the leadership that God had put in his life. That was David. And he chose to not be disrespectful to the people that God allowed to lead him. Now, if you, Saul asked David to do such a stupid thing, right? He asked him to go and get him a hundred foreskins, right? If you guys know what foreskins are, you can understand. That's not an easy thing to do, right? But David was still obedient to the wicked advice that Saul gave him. He actually came with 200 foreskins. Can you imagine how difficult that was, right? And so on the other hand, when you look at Saul and Absalom's leadership, these two men had great potential, yet they were led down the wrong path, the path of destruction, because they didn't trust in God. They didn't submit to God's truth. They didn't submit to God's leadership. And so are you committed to the help and advice of your disciple? God used Saul's toxic, to re toxic relationship to really expose David's heart, to humble him and help him and bring honor to David at the right time. And through that, David found security in God and he felt safety in God's hands. You know, in Psalm 129, 1 Samuel 26, verse 9, when David refused to throw a spear at Saul, he had every, he had the opportunity to kill Saul twice, actually three times, right? Three times. He had every reason under heaven to kill Saul. In Acts 13, 22, we see what God says about David. God removed Saul and he made David king. And God says, I have found the son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. He will do everything I want him to do. Why? Because, of, because even in the suffering, even underneath the wrong leadership, David trusted in God's safety. David knew even in the good and the bad, God is sovereign. Do you have, sisters, a godly perception of your discipling partner or your, even your disciplee? What spares are you throwing in your mind against your discipler, against your disciplee? Will you be committed to being good or becoming great? David became great because of bad leadership. What is God trying to do in your life with the person that he's put in your life to disciple you? Because we've got to learn to silence the voices in our head that's telling us X, Y, Z about our discipling partner 
when it's not even true. And you know, and, and on top of a discipling relationship, to help our minds, we also need to be smart and be like, you know what, I might need medication. I might need it to help balance the chemicals in my mind. You know, in Isaiah 38 verse 21 and Jeremiah 8 verse 22, it talks about the fact that we should use medicine to help us. It's in the Bible. And if a professional says, mate, sorry, you need to take medication, take it. But not everyone needs meds. And, and when you've done everything and there's nothing else, if you've tried exercising, if you've committed yourself to exercising, if you've committed to yourself to changing your lifestyle and nothing is working, if you've committed yourself to counseling, if you've committed yourself to prayer and nothing is working and you've done everything and made every effort, then so be it. Go on the meds. But you, if you haven't done those things, what are you doing going on the meds if you haven't given your whole heart in certain areas? For example, someone who has diabetes, they need insulin. Don't tell them to go work out. They need insulin, right? It's common sense. And so in the same way, someone that has deep, deep anxiety issues and deep depression, and they've done everything possible, needs medication. And, and to conclude, you know, I, 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 I just want you to think about mindset. If you think you can do something, you can do it. If you think you can't do something, you're right. You won't do it. The choice is yours. The question is, do you want to get well? To get well, you got to take captive your thoughts. you got to meditate on the word of God. you got to be committed to resetting your mindset. The brain will come into a better physical balance, but this requires you to be consistent. If you're not consistent, you're not committed because you want to create healthy pathways so that you can choose the right pathway unconsciously. Because if you, if you don't have healthy pathways, your, your brain, even when you're not giving your whole heart to something, your brain is actually not even going to, um, it's not even going to accept the medication either. So it's like you're taking medication, but it's not working because your brain is saying this isn't working. And so even in, let's go to John 5, and this will be the last scripture that I read for today. And in John 5, Lynette, can you read 1 to 9? Sorry, could you repeat the scripture and the chapter, please? John 5, 1 to 9. Yeah. Okay. All right. Um, it says, Oh, for me. You go for it, Claire. <laughs> okay, John chapter 5, 1 to 9, yeah? Yeah. Okay, it says, Sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish festivals. Now, there is in Jerusalem near the Sheep Gate a pool, which in Aram Aramaic is called Bethesda. And um, which is surrounded by five covered colonnades. Here, a great number of disabled people used to lie the blind, the lame, the paralyzed. One who was there had been invalid for 38 years. And Jesus lying there he, and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time. He asked him, Do you want to get well? 
Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me in the pool, into the pool when the water is stirred. While I'm trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. Then Jesus said to him, get up, pick up your mat and walk. At once the man was cured. He picked up his mat and, his walk, and he walked. The day on which this took place was a Sabbath. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Did you go to eleven or twelve? Claire. Yeah? Where did you read that? Oh, yeah. I worked to number nine. No, no, I got to eleven. Okay, um, it says no, it goes so to the 14. Jewish leader said, Okay, <laughs> and so the Jewish leader said to the man who had been healed, It is the Sabbath. The law forbids you to carry your mat. But he replied, the man who made me well said to me, pick up your mat and walk. So they asked him, who is this fellow who told you to pick up the mat, pick it up and walk? The man who, the man who was helped had no idea who it was, for Jesus had slipped away into the crowd that was there. Later, Jesus found him at the temple and said to him, see, you are well again. Stop sinning or something worse will happen to you. Now, if you understand the story, I love the story because... The man had to help himself to get well. He had to do something. Nobody, no one wants to continue to be anxious. No one wants to stay, stay depressed. Not even the ones who are diagnosed with depression. They don't like you. But for 38 years, this man chose that mindset. Chose the mindset. He, he decided that life, he had no life. He chose the negative mindset that told him, you're not good enough. He chose the negative mindset that told him, you're not going to get well. That was the negative mindset until he decided wholeheartedly to choose something different and to do something about it. He had to choose. No one chose for him. You know, in all of this, the choice of recovery was down to this man. The choice of recovery is down to us. With meds and counseling, you yeah, have these things are great. Nutrition, great. Exercise, great. A healthy lifestyle, great. Prayer, most important, great. The word of God, great. All these things, you have to choose and incorporate them into your life to get well. And you have to give your whole heart to it. If you don't give your whole heart to it, you're not going to get better. You're just not. That's why... This guy, God did a miracle, and he just went back to the mindset. And, and even the Bible says, see, you are well again. Stop sinning or something worse will happen to you. You know, sometimes some of us, we get well, and then we go back to that mindset. We sin against the word of God by adding to God's word, and something worse can happen to you. God can take all of this incredible things that he's blessed you with away from you. That's something worse happening. You know, and I really want to inspire you with a quote that I read from Audrey Hepburn, okay? And it says, and, and I'm going to set you a practical. And the, 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 uh, the, the, the quote is to help inspire you to do the practical. And, uh, and she says, nothing is impossible. The word itself, impossible, says, I am possible, am possible. And so this practical ism. And so in First Timothy chapter 4, verse 7, it says, we need to train our minds to be godly. We need to train ourselves to be godly. We need to train our minds to be godly. So what I want you to do this week, 
right, for 10 minutes. And what you can do, you can increase this to 20, to 15, to 25, 35, whatever, right? I want you to write down the negative thoughts you have, like I did at the beginning, right? I want you to write your fears, your insecurities or whatever, right? That's stressing you out or making you think the way you're thinking. And then I want you to make a separate column for every negative thought you have. I want you to write a positive thought, all right? Now, if you do this every day for 10 minutes, because you, you're choosing to unconsciously do it, right? Remember, we talked about how your uh, prefrontal cortex is connected to your straightening and that you have to intentionally begin to form new pathways. Now, what you are now doing is you are forming new pathways. You are unconsciously doing it, right? So that 80%, you're choosing to not feed it. And you're choosing to start feeding the 20%, which is positive, and begin to increase the number, right? Now, because your mind's going to be remembering this, now you're doing it for 10 minutes, it will become part of your thinking process. And you will make this a habit. Taking your negative thoughts and shifting your perspective. What would happen if you did this for a whole year? What would happen if you did this? for like 30 minutes every day for a whole year. I want you to make a decision for the next six months, okay? We have six months here left. I want you to be more excited about your relationship with God and about your future. I really do because to do this, you have to create consciously these healthy habits that will become your unconscious normal and it will become your reality. Now imagine what you can do if you had 80% of our mindset was all positive. I mean, what cure would you invent? Thank you very much. Come on. Yes, please continue to give a round of applause as I end this recording.